Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Hopefully you all had a enjoyable Memorial Day weekend as we talked during yesterday's uh, Fontenelle Final Bell, remembering, of course, the importance of what Memorial Day was all about. And then we hit the ground running, literally, as, as we rewind a little bit to to last week. We were talking about snow freezing temperatures, lots of rain. It's just kind of the all or nothing when it comes to this weather lately and having its effects on these crops. Hearing some rumors of areas of Illinois and some parts of Indiana maybe having to do some replants of soybeans because of that earlier cold snap. But well, we're going to find out what's all going on in this market trade today as Sam Hudson joins us. And Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. And Sam, let's start out with the weather. Last week to hear a commodity guy say, oh yeah, it's snowing in Wisconsin. That's not good news for the crops. <laughs> well, like I said, it depends on what year, or excuse me, what month it is, what week it is. You know, uh, it definitely an interesting start to the week. Uh, a lot of focus in the Northwest Corn Belt with uh, some heat in store now, and it's been a cold drought this far. So I think it's going to provide a totally different feel on the areas that have, you know, been a little bit scant on rainfall of late. And it seems like it's it's just the same areas. The rich get richer in terms of water. When you look at the I seventy corridor and south throughout this, uh, you know, heart of the Midwest. Uh, maybe excessive moisture, even in some parts up uh, towards I-80 and then I-80 North, it's a completely different world. So uh, that's what it looks like in the short term anyways. And so if we keep that look to it, uh, it's going to be hard to you know, not see you know additional strength in this wheat market with the Minneapolis contract leading the way. And we saw that start the week. So looking at that and, and the weather effects that we're going to have, I think last time you and I talked, we talked about how important this weather-related market was going to be and not to bank on stuff from week to week when it came to a marketing plan, but to have some long-term goals in place. Yep, long-term big picture, and I think that helps you you know, stay a little bit more able, or at least ready and able, when you see the wild swings, swings like we saw last week. I mean, we went from talking about improved weather and Chinese cancellations to, you know, this week, uh, you know, bad weather again. So, uh, you know, long-term, there's kind of a why in the road, I think, I, that I see coming. Uh, we don't have a lot to give in this bean market anymore, so we need to have a good yield this year. We've talked about the possibility of higher acres, but with this yield threat coming in to play so early in the season, it's almost as if we're going to have a push and pull effect on the markets between, you know, the thought process of higher acres, but also a likelihood that we're not going to achieve these trend yields that are written down today. So looking at uh, the, the talks I hear that Indiana areas of Indiana, areas of Illinois are having to do some replants because of early frost issues in soybeans. What are you hearing? Yeah, that's part of it. Um, it, it probably more prevalent was just the fact that some of those beans stayed in the ground for two to three weeks. Um, without any significant warmth we had uh gosh over the course of the last three and a half weeks we've probably had you know going on six and a half plus inches of rain right in through here and so when we talk about drought that's kind of foreign to us and so i think it was more of a, an issue of those prolonged you know cold temperatures and, and uh and the wet you know conditions that just impacted the population levels to a degree that it just justified a replant what we're hearing this week is uh, a lot of things wrapping up now the acres that are not planted yet uh, when you look at this forecast, it still may be kind of tough on, on you know when that's going to actually take place. It may be the second week of June before some of these bean acres get in. But I think uh, what we're hearing now is some of these seed supplies being uh, you know re retooled and repurposed for the northern corn belt because of some of these freeze events, or because it was too dry and maybe part of the field germinated and the rest didn't, and so some replant efforts going on there too. So double digit gains that we saw in the trade for today. Did that surprise you coming off of a of a three day holiday weekend? 
Not really with the forecast. You know, if you'd have showed me that forecast, uh, you know, on Friday afternoon before the close, I probably would have been buying the market. So I think that's what it was really up to. Uh, we also had a lot of jitters to get out last week after the big drop. We had December corn test five dollars, and now we're seventy-five to eighty cents off the low from that. Uh, and my bias is that we could consolidate in here just under the $6 mark and around 14 bucks in beans. I, we don't know enough about the crop at this point to say, you know, it is a make or break. It's still a little too early. Uh, and so the markets may try to buy their time ahead of this acreage data that we're going to get at the end of June. Now, the caveat to that is if things continue to worsen and we really do put a blowtorch on that northwest corn belt, uh, that Minneapolis wheat market, uh, you know, is going to have a, you know, a real, uh, you know, thing to reckon with here over the next 30 to 45 days. Now, looking at a USDA. Our, our weekly crop progress report that we receive on Monday obviously gets pushed to today. Do you expect any crop rating numbers to, to find some surprises as we look at maybe some of them getting their first full look at conditions? Well, you know, as early as it is in the season and, and what we already know going on, I don't know. It's hard to be surprised by initial rating. I think of anything, it's, it's just, you know, where does this set the bar? You know, keeping in mind these condition ratings aren't really truly reflective of the actual yield. It's more of a measurement for where we are from week to week. Uh, I think a large part of the trade was probably looking for 70% plus good to excellent on the corn uh, up until this weekend. I think there's a lot of thoughts that uh, this weekend really set us back, and the fact that the forecast is now shifting uh, to hot, dry, you know, it doesn't bode well here for the next two to three weeks on those ratings as well. So it, it, it's kind of the tale of two worlds in these areas where we've gotten, you know, steady rainfall. We've arguably had too much over the last uh, month or so. Uh, things are off to a pretty good start. I, I especially think that because with this heat coming, uh, we'll start finding fertilizer and even stuff that's yellow and kind of puny looking. I think is going to look phenomenal here in a couple weeks. And it's just time is the, time is the waiting matter, correct? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, this time a uh, month from now, we're going to know a lot about what is and is not possible. And the timing of this Northwest uh, Corn Belt drought and, and heat situation, you're going to learn about what's even possible in terms of replant and germination. If they don't get a rain here in the next two, three weeks, uh, you know, you may not get a second chance on those crops even if you wanted to. Export numbers continue to be very strong when it comes to what we're seeing in the uh, corn market. Absolutely. Export inspections uh, big again this week. That should stay you know, that way through the end of the marketing year. I think we should expect that. The, the sales side of things is what we're really asking and what that looks like moving forward. I don't think we're going to see these, these old crop sales impress us from here on out. If anything, the USDA may be ahead uh, ahead of the, the horse here on, on old crop export demand. They raised $100 million this last go-around. And I just don't know if we've got the capacity to do that. If we do, it's going to be up at the 11th hour. And I think ultimately the, the yield uh, you know, is going to be the determining factor. I think what it does do is the, the, the yield cut in the Brazilian crop assures us that we should ship pretty steadily to China, even if they want to cancel. We've got a lot more coming. Now, final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue our conversation with Sam Hudson. Again, he is with Corn Belt Marketing. So we left at the break talking about what's been happening in, in Brazil and obviously their crop conditions for this Safrina corn crop are closely going to be watched and as more numbers come in it's going to make for very interesting times marketing wise for us and, and marketing for them. Yeah absolutely and, and you almost wonder that uh, if they don't see an improvement there you know we're talking about the northwest corn belt now you know, in two or three months from now, we'll be talking about whether or not that drought stretches into their new crop growing seasons. Keep in mind, a lot of the damage on this uh, in South America has been done to their second crop and thankfully uh, did not get into their first crop a little bit more than it did. They still had really high numbers there. So, uh, you know, it still kind of reiterates that we're at the forefront here in the northern hemisphere and that's going to remain the case here the next 60 days. 
All right, let's look at um, export numbers um, from soybeans as well. Um, pretty holding strong. And I know China, I haven't heard anything about them in the last couple of days, but we know that they're out there and they're looking. Yeah, they are. And, you know, we're going to be you know, kind of the same thing here. We're down to pipeline supplies. I think that old crop export program is going to slow down a little bit. If anything, it's going to be interesting to see at the end of the year what we have written down for an import number uh, here into the U.S. I think that's going to be, you know, kind of an active situation as we go into the midsummer months. Uh, some of these crushing plants may start to slow down a little bit if they just simply can't find the inventories and it gets too expensive to find those beans. And it's going to be a good time for them to, you know, kind of get some maintenance out of the way anyways before they hit the, what's probably expected to be a pretty strong campaign into the end of the year once we hit harvest. So, uh, you know, we know we've been tightened beans for quite some time. There's very little room for error. And like I said, you know, the yield side of the, the coin at this point is going to drive the ship as we get into you know, these summer time frames. So speaking of summer, we know now we're past Memorial Day and things are getting back to normal. Strong ethanol margins we've seen at this point. Can that remain as we hit the summer driving season? A hundred percent. If anything, I think that lasts well into the end of the year. Um, you know, we were in a situation where we, we really decreased our production capacity. And just like a lot of these other supply chains, we're seeing a big rubber band you know, snapback now. And, you know, you get 110% of, of demand when you have, you know, less than 100% production capacity compared to what we had, you know, a year and a half ago. Some of these plants haven't come back online or they're making high-grade food, grade alcohol or something else. Uh, and with gas, gasoline prices the way they are and the COVID recovery, there's really no end in sight to that. Uh, we simply can't produce enough of it. And so what happens out of this is either going to be, you know, combination consolidation and maybe an expansion in that market. We've already seen Poet come out uh, and looking to make a big acquisition, which will keep them at the top of the list in terms of national production on ethanol. Uh, but the big question, I think, moving forward here is how the Biden administration handles the small refinery exemptions, the RINs, and the, the RFS in general. Uh, there's a story last week about the Delta Airlines. Basically, they just quit buying renewable identification numbers. And if that's the case, uh, you know, does the government have to step in here and, and determine who's going to pay the bill for that? Are they going to be compliant or are they going to let them out the back door? Because that will set precedent for, you know, if they're not the only ones doing it. Well, switch gears and, and look at the livestock side of the trade and, and not a lot of information's out there yet, but JBS over the weekend in both Australia and the U.S. getting a cyber attack. You know, we've heard of cyber attacks, but not on agriculture until most recently. Well, and, you know, get used to it because as technologically uh, fueled as this uh, industry is anymore, you know, what, what happens if all the planters, uh, you know, shut down all of a sudden out of nowhere? I know that's a little far-fetched, it sounds like it sometimes, but, you know, when you look at just a few weeks ago, uh, you know, attack like this basically shut down our fuel supply for the whole southeastern, uh, you know, United States. Uh, so these are something that we're really going to be talking about, going to become more and more prevalent. It, unfortunately, in the short term, it's hard to really see how the dust settles here. I, I think it's going to turbocharge what we've already been seeing, and that is this distortion between where beef prices are and cash cattle prices. Uh, if you do anything to slow down that processing line, uh, whether you're talking hogs or live cattle, it, that's going to be the outcome. And with some of these labor issues and these unemployment benefits extending through the end of June, this is going to be a talking point, I think, at least for the next couple months. Uh, how the rubber hits the road, you know, once some of those benefits are over, I think is going to be critical to figure out, you know, what's possible in the livestock markets as we get into the third and fourth quarter. And we didn't even see any box beef numbers early on today because there were some submission issues coming from the Packers. Yeah, and that's, you know, seeing some reports that, you know, this could impact as much as 20% of the nation's, uh, you know, meat supply just doesn't a real, you know, leave you with a real fuzzy feeling, and, you know, inside when you see how quickly something like this can transpire and how difficult it is to, to head it off. 
So hog features, um, they, I love it. Weathering the storm is how I read one uh, description as to what we're seeing in these markets. Is that going to set the tone for the rest of the week? Yeah, you know, lean hog index keeps running higher. I think, uh, you know, how we come out once again with the, some of these labor issues and, you know, talk about slowing down, you know, the slaughter lines and stuff like that. Some of this doesn't t- kick into effect until the end of June. So, you know, there's a little bit of concern that if you put this, uh, these animals back on the producer, do we, do we, you know, kind of crater these spot months? And I think that's possible, you know, eventually. But in the short term, if there's no, if there's no change in plans, it's possible that they, they try to rush as fast as they can to. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380 or go to www.cornbeltmarketing.com. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.